listening to Chill Spot Radio. Mental health, especially amongst people of color, has long been stigmatized, inadvertently keeping our people from accessing and reaching mental well-being. This podcast aims to transform stigma into strength. Your hosts work in the mental health field, bearing in their experience within the mental health profession. We thank you for your time in this brave space. Welcome to the Chispot Radio, and this is uh, episode 17. Um, I'm your host, Jared Morgan, co-host. Dr. Alan Lipscomb. Hello, everyone. Thank you for listening. Yeah, today we have um, MSW, uh, CSUN MSW alum, Michael Curry. Um, I'll let you take the mic and uh, tell us a little bit about your background, uh, when you graduated, and what you've been doing. Awesome. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, my name is Michael Curry. I uh, graduated um, back in 2020. Um, so it's like during the actually around the time the pandemic started. Um, and currently what I'm doing now is I am a clinical therapist for a county contracted agency um, out in Pomona area. So. Uh, we serve LA County and I work with uh, children from zero to 25, open to 25. Yeah. So a lot of lower, uh, lower income individuals, some um, higher income individuals that come in, they pay for the services. Um, so that's what I'm doing currently right now. And I just received a promotion. I'm a team lead now, team lead. Congratulations. What, what's yeah. a team lead? Um, so I do, I supervise the case managers. Um, I, will be leading a couple of the trainings in the organization that they want me to. And so, uh, yeah, it's a, it's a, I started today in this role. And so, <laughs> so it's, it's nice. very new and I, yeah, I'm still learning, but um, I'm taking things one, one at a time, one step at a time. Nice, okay. nice, nice. Congratulations again. So let's back up just a, just a little bit, uh, Michael. What made you decide to get your master's in social work? How were, how was you, how were you introduced to it? All of that. Yeah. So, um, I originally, I mean, this wasn't, it, what, this was not on my list from the beginning. I, uh, was an athlete. I was a track and field athlete and with hopes of going to the Olympics. Um, and so, uh, that was like my primary thing, just kind of getting my bachelor's degree was secondary for me. Um, and so uh, that kind of led to a lot of like, you know, my family structure is pretty, it's kind of broken. Over time, we've been repairing it. And so uh, when I was 18, I was living on my own, just doing a lot, uh, supporting myself, working multiple jobs, trying to realize my dream. Um, it took me 13 years to get my bachelor's degree. And so uh, I ended up going I took some time off, went back to school when I was in my mid-20s and came across other uh, Black gentlemen that looked like me um, and talked to me about like the future and what that looked like. Um, one thing that I did realize was every job that I had ever since I was 15 years old involved customer service and talking to people. And I always wanted to make people feel good just by conversation. I really didn't know what that was and would get compliments about listening all the time um and so uh my and i'm like going a little every i'm like hopping from point to point right now 
And so my father was actually like involved in the community. He would give back. Um, he eventually later on in my life, he became a pastor. Um, and I saw him in his workout in the community. Um, and ultimately, after having conversations and doing my research, because I didn't know what an MSW was. Um, I didn't even know what an MFT was at the time. So I'm over here trying to figure out and make sense of these two worlds. Um, and I came across information that let me know that an MSW program gives me more leverage. And so I just started applying to graduate programs like my senior year in, in my undergrad program, um, which, you know, looking up like mission statements, mission goals, and uh, trying to get as much information of what a therapist was. Um, yeah, in helping people, serving people. That's like, that was my thing. I did not know this field uh, involved serving people. So yeah, that's, that's a snippet. I know I'm, I'm going a bit nice. everywhere. <laughs> no, no, that, that, that's fine. For those who are listening, who may not be a social worker or know what an MSW is, or someone listening, they may share this with someone who's not an MSW or a social worker. What would you tell someone who is thinking about it or is just now getting introduced to an MSW? What advice would, would you give them? Um, well, the main thing I would tell them, well, I would want them to look up what it is to have your MSW, um, just their core, core values. You know, I tell people that um, want to serve others and help out in the community. I tell them that uh, that is essentially what a master's in social work is. It's about um, community, you know, assisting people with resources um, and, and with the emphasis on mental health. You know, it's kind of all encompassing in, in of everything. Um, that's, I was literally having this conversation with a buddy of mine last week. He was like, Mike, what's the difference between an MSW and an MFT program? And I'm, I'm over here like, ah, like I really want you to go after that MSW because of what I went through, what I experienced. And so I just explained to him that, you know, um, having your master's in social work, it's been around so long and the whole field is about um, the well-being um, and empowerment of others. Um, and so, you know, that's, that's where I kind of, I, I, I leave it at that and I let others do their research and you know, take it from there. You know, you mentioned coming out to, of the MSW program at the beginning of the pandemic in 2020, you mentioned being finished and, and entering into the profession at that time. And I'm curious, did you feel like the education, your MSW education, prepared you for what you encountered post MSW in 2020? Because that's a unique time, right? And, and it's not like we um, were teaching, you know, how to be a social worker in a pandemic, although what we teach as far as core skills um, is definitely something that you could utilize in, in a pandemic. But I'm curious for someone who was right out of the program in 2020, how did you, how did you experience that? Um, yeah, I was kind of unprepared. I think that I felt like I was prepared in in certain ways as far as uh, what certain things would look like because of the internships I had. Um, but I felt like I was kind of like a chicken with this head cut off because uh, gaining employment, especially, I mean, that was the main thing. A lot of 
different folks that I interned with, they weren't hiring because of the pandemic. And so I ended up taking a per diem role, which is, you know, you just, you work as the clients come, you don't have a set salary. Um, and so uh, I feel like the, the CSUN, the program, was helpful because I mean they were hit at the same time too. So having to kind of navigate that and teach the students how to um like survive for the the length of their the time that they're in that program for. Um it was yeah it was challenging in that aspect employment being prepared. I feel like you can just never be truly prepared. But you know I, and I've mentioned this to you before um your classes were helpful because they allowed us to kind of, they allowed me to think outside of the box um, and kind of prepare for instances like this. You know, especially as a black person in the pandemic, I started to think a, a lot about, you know, just about um, history, culture, how that plays a role, the Tuskegee simple uh, experiment and how that, you know, how, how I feel about that in the vaccine. And that was like one of my main challenges, a lot of employers, and I don't mind sharing this, they were telling me, you can only work for us if you're vaccinated. Um, and that was something that I was against. And so um, I just continue to uh, advocate for myself in a very, you know, in, in an empowering manner. And I was actually surprised that a lot of folks that I spoke to were understanding. They were understanding. Some weren't willing to bend, but others were. So that was that was a bit of a challenge. Yeah. Uh, Thank you for for your openness. Um, going back uh, just uh, a tad, um, you said that uh, you know going to school was was secondary um, or Plan B. How did you deal with uh, you know mental wellness and I'm assuming maybe some grief? Uh, and loss when plan A didn't work out. Yeah, so that was, yeah, that was a, it was a, a bit tough for me, actually. Um, I, I did go through that cycle. Um, I feel like, uh, and, and this is the thing, my coach at the time, he had coached several Olympians and I would always go up to him and say, hey, if you tell me it's over, I'm done. Like, I'm, that's it wrapping it up. And he would never tell me, he would never say, Michael, all right, you know, I don't believe you can get there anymore. And so that allowed me to go on this journey um, to realize for myself that, you know, uh, I'm getting older, maybe it's, it's time to look into uh, different talents. And so it's, you know, there were moments where I, I went through that, the depressive states, right? I didn't want to do anything. And, um, you know, just clinging to something that, didn't necessarily happen. It took a while. And so um, I would watch documentaries on athletes that kind of went through the same thing that I went through. Something very traumatic that happened to me during that time was I tore my ACL. So I tore my, uh, you know, tendon in your knee and it took about eight months for me to heal. Um, and so uh, that was tough. Um, but, I, but the moment for me was when I had went back out and I was training and I had been doing this for a few years now. This was after the surgery. And um, I just said, oh, my body's not like I, I threw up and I was just like, it's been a minute since I felt that type of pain. That's it. Like cut. All right, Mike, let's focus on something different. 
Um, so that, that was it for me. And then going back, because I want to, I'm sorry, Jared, you kind of took me here because I was thinking about this. <clears throat> um, you know, I would go to spaces, like I go to barbershop or I would go to places like, um, um, like church or like I would have conversations with my father just about, you know, their journey, trying to gain some insight. Um, and I feel like just that wisdom was helpful in me figuring it out. Um, yeah, yeah. I, I, re I recall right after I had uh, decided the track thing wasn't going to work out for me. Um, like my father, he had cancer at the time. He had pancreatic cancer. And so um, I had applied. We talked about it like, all right, if you get in, this is what we'll do. You know, I'm out here. He's in L.A. So I would just like help him out and then just commute back and forth. Um, and then the day that I got accepted into the program, um, he passed away. He passed away. It was 15 minutes after I got accepted. Like I got the email. And so it was just like, like, wow, like that moment, like I was in the hospital and I saw him transition. And then immediately after that, like everybody has a different response to it. And I have my spirituality. Um, but the confirmation of getting accepted into CSUN's program, I was just like, okay, this is the space. Like I need to be over here because I had been doing so much research about other programs. I wasn't feeling too fond of them, but that particular day, um, everything just like fell into place. I just said, okay, that's, this is the space. Um, and so, yeah. And then my, my drives from, cause I, I, I lived in Rancho, my drives from Rancho <laughs> to Northridge, I would drive out there five days a week cause I interned out there too. That was my therapy. So it was, it was healing for me. And I know a lot of people like traffic, Michael, like, uh, I was like, oh no, that was therapy for me. Like I got to chill out. I didn't know that it looked like that, you know? And so, yeah. So yeah, it just kind of hit me. I was like, oh, you know, program. Yeah. You know, it's so interesting you, you say that because I've told students for years, cause I used to, um, I still commute uh, to Northridge, um, but not like when I used to commute when I was doing community-based mental health in Los Angeles. And I would commute an hour, hour and a half uh, every day, um, one way, right? So three hours in the car round trip. And I would say that was part of my kind of debriefing time. Mm. It, it, it helped me because I didn't have to go from home 10 minutes, I mean, from work, 10, 15 minute drive, now I'm home. It allowed me that hour and a half to decompress, especially after doing intensive therapeutic services in the community. It gave me some time to transition so I didn't bring that into the home with me, right? So I hear you when you say traffic or, or having an extensive commute time was a way to allow you to sit with yourself and give you time with yourself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, now that you mentioned that piece, yeah, I mean, that's exactly what it allowed me to do, kind of debrief. Um, you know, God, God willing, my, my brother at the time, he needed help. And so I was helping him with his daughter. Um, and so, you know, well, they didn't need help like that, but they said, Michael, your uncle, just come stay with us while you're in the program and, you know, we'll make it work out. And so I said, all right, you know, that makes it better for me. I don't have to worry about that piece. Um, but yeah, it allowed me to debrief. So when I got back to the house, like I was focused and I was present in that moment, which was really helpful. 
what do you do now as far as self-preservation practices, care practices, balance, now that you're doing this full time? Yeah, so um, like I am a, a fitness, I'm just all about fitness. And so I go to the gym um, and I'll go for runs. Like I, 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 bought, I bought a mountain bike, that's something different. And I bike up a hill. Um, something that I took up was painting. So I have like these paintings that I paint up now and just like finding about out about myself in different ways has been just as a black man. Like, I don't know too many black men. Mike, let's go paint. Like, oh, OK. Like, uh. And so there are certain things that I do. I did that during the pandemic. You know, there wasn't much to do. YouTube. I said, oh, I could buy some paint supplies. Let me see how this is. Um, and so trying to find new things to see if I like them. Plus the fitness piece is how I decompress. You know, I allow myself to, because after a sessions, it can be really, I mean, now I'm glad I had the internships I had like with the county. I love those people. And then um, in the community, um, I, I learned not to take everything home with me. That was tough to do at first. Um, you know, I would feel some type of way for the people that I'm serving. So um, yeah like fitness, painting, just realizing different things, yeah. Nice. And, and um, the, the listeners can't, can't see the, the painting in the background, but we're recording this on Zoom. And so Dr. Lipson and I can see it and it doesn't look like uh, your first one, but. <laughs> it's nice, yeah. Do you mind describing it for the listeners? Yeah. Yeah, so it's a it's a it's a very just abstract. I like abstract art. And so, um, you know, just me YouTube and some stuff, abstract art and learning that all I need is some masking tape and a canvas and some paint. And that's what I did. I just, you know, I paint, I, I taped it up um, into a different cross sectional. So diagonal straight lines. And then I just threw some paint on it, red, green, blue, purple. Um, and went over it with like a little uh, butter knife, like a knife type of tool. Um, and then waited about 30 minutes and then just start peeling it away. And actually the, the piece where you peel it off of the canvas, um, for me at least was like really soothing with some jazz music and some, and some, and some wine. I had some wine on me and I was just, I was chilling I out. It. Yeah. It was cool. I love it. We, we have to come and paint with you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We got it. We have to do that. Uh, yeah, brothers in paint. There we go. Hey, <laughs> let's do it. Something like that. Yeah. I love that. Um, I love that. That that was one thing that I um, that I wanted in the program that I didn't get. I if there were anything that I like, we're thinking about just black presence, like black men that look like me in this program, and so. Um, like when I saw you, Dr. Lipscott, I gravitated towards you like, oh, like, oh, it's another brother over here. And then Jared, I don't I saw you, but I, I feel like I saw you at the tail end of my program. Um, and so like you with, with Dr. Ashley um, and then I forget. Um, so so I forget the other lady's name. That's just um, Jolene Swain. Yes. Dr. Yes. Jolene Swain. You know, I see my people. Um, it just gave me hope, you know, that. I can be in these spaces um, and that, you know, there was a need there because I don't feel like, well, not, I don't feel like I, none of my people know about social work, you know, yet I see my people do social work all the time. So it's, it's just like, like, 
hey, you know, there, there's this hidden, there's this gem that nobody knows about. You know, we focus on a lot of other areas, but we don't talk about this, this one. What do you think the profession is missing for better representation and inclusion like that? What, what do you think is lacking? Or what um, can we do better? Yeah, I believe the, the content um, or the context, um, only because when I mean, when I, when I was in particular classes, mind you, <clears throat> I came directly from my undergrad. And so I know a lot of other people had difficulties um, but I felt some of the things that I learned were already known to me. And so I would disconnect in the class. Um, uh, but I had to challenge myself in those moments to, 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 to think on how I would relay the information to folks that don't come from my community. Um, so instead of making it like, because at first I made it a very like negative, it was a negative experience for me. We're talking about racism. I know about racism. I know what my people have gone through. Like, why am I sitting in this class? Um, but I like had to look beyond that. Like, it's not just about that piece. It's about, you know, me being able to relay that information to folks. Um, but at the same time, I mean, that's how I challenge myself. I feel like if we, if there was content in there that, made me look at, you know, my people, like it was more, I guess, like uh, more black. I don't know how to, I don't know how to describe that, but it just, if it gave me more personal experiences and I wasn't just focusing on the racism part, um, yeah, I'd enjoy it more. Yeah. That's real. Yeah. I, yeah. Just trying to go into, I'm just thinking like, it's like when I did the barber, you know, the, I did my capstone about barber shops. And so I had to go around um, and ask other black men about their mental health experiences. And so instead of sitting here, uh, presenting it to them in a formal manner um, and just asking them like, what are you feeling in here? You know, what's going on up in there? Um, and then relaying it to me like, man, I'm not, you know, just drained. And I know drained means like, I'm a little down, like I'm depressed sometimes, I'm sad. Um, just the language, you know, when I come, when I came at those individuals in a very formal manner, they disconnected. Mike, what you, you know, what are you talking about? Why are you acting like these white people? I don't have time. Mike, come on. You know, and so um, I just feel like if it was more real in that aspect, more informal, it, the message hits. It hits more. Yeah. Um, what are what are some of your your aspirations as a black social worker uh, or a black therapist in the future? Um, well, on on a more I guess on a micro level, I want to start my own private practice. Um, I like to you know touch and get the message out to other black individuals in the area that it's okay to come to services. You know, um, just make it more relatable for them. Um, and then on a on a bigger level, I, I've been thinking about it, you know, I'd like to um, add to the world and in that sense, like give back, you know, give to the community and my people by teaching a little bit. I've been thinking about it, um, you know, or doing trainings or just giving out information, you know, part time to see if I like it. But I, I want to touch my people. I want to make a positive impact. Um, yeah. It just sparked that conversation. Um, yeah, that's like my aspiration.
That's important. Yeah. You know, to continue. One of the things that I do and started doing after I got my master's was setting five-year goals for myself. So what do I, now that I got my master's, what do I want to accomplish in five years, right? And that was, I wanted to be licensed and have my own practice in five years. Then that happened. <laughs> I was like, all right, what's next? All right. And so continuing to set goals for yourself, I think it's, it's important to keep you going, motivated and focused. One of the things I, I tell students is that, and I don't know if I, I, I said this when you took a class with me, Michael, but I said, remember why you came into this profession and remember who you are in this profession and who you're becoming. Because if you don't, people will tell you. They will tell you who you are. They will tell you why, why you are doing what you're doing and designate a role for you. And you can get lost in the shuffle and you forget your meaning, motivation, purpose, and drive to what brought you into the profession. So part of setting goals it keeps you accountable to yourself, right? So mm -hmm. that we don't get stuck or, or lost in the shuffle and become complacent. Um, there's, there's many things that we can do. So aspirations and goals is important to continue to go. Yeah, now, I'm glad you mentioned that because that was actually one of the first things I did coming out of my program. And I have to constantly go back and Look at my five-year plans, my five-year, my 10-year, my 15. I haven't gotten to the 15 yet, but the five and the 10. And so, um, but yeah, because you can in this profession, you can become really complacent in this profession. I've been noticing a lot of uh, the folks that I work with, even me for about like a month's time, I was like, wait, Michael, wake up. You're, you're a little too comfortable. And so I have to constantly, I constantly remind myself, you know, um, there's always room to grow. There's always room to move up. Um, and there's always room to innovate because I feel like we do a lot of innovating in this field. Um, and so, yeah, reminding myself who I am and not allowing others to tell me who I am is important because that tends to happen a lot part. in this field. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. And then and bringing me back to the program and just being thankful for the 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 you know, the, the classes that I took here telling me to remember who you are, like telling me, hey, like, consider these things, you know? Uh, yeah, yeah. I would, yeah, that's why, like, when I see I had uh, you, Dr. Lipstone, I, uh, uh, let's see, I'm terrible with names, but I forget the other professor, du, Dubois, Dubois, Dr. Dubois, 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 Herman Dubois, yeah, Herman Dubois. Um, yeah. And then, well, Jared, I never got to take any of your courses, but like those courses, I mean, I just asked a lot of questions. So I just like to do a lot of asking questions and semi-challenging, but I never got to do that really in your class, Dr. Lipscomb, <laughs> Dr. Lipscomb. Um, but I just like getting that feedback and constantly being reminded that you can go higher than you feel like you, you can go in this field. Yeah, you, you got it for like the first, what, eight weeks or something we were in person? And then we yeah. have to pivot. And you, you know, I'm, I'm a fan when you sit in the front row and you be asking questions and stuff. I'm like, yes, this is it. <laughs> what yeah, class was yeah. it? It was um, mental health, wellness, and, and recovery. It was a 650, um, an elective course that uh, he took his last semester. 
Yeah. There was also another one where uh, you co-taught. 601, advanced okay. practice with yeah. uh, families in urban communities with Dr. Ashley Kotal. Yeah, that one was an amazing class. And it was, uh, it was a little nerve wracking too, you know, because sometimes you get put on the spot, you have to go in front of the class and implement what we were learning. And so um, I, I like spaces like that because it challenges you to kind of think beyond the textbook. Like you have to, you're, you're applying, it's real world, it's practical and it's happening, it's happening now. Yeah. Yeah, it was fun. It was fun, yeah. I enjoyed that. Um, you know, Dr. Lipscomb and I started this, I think we're like, as you were graduating, uh, maybe just a little bit before, uh, just to keep connected with uh, predominantly the black and brown students uh, on campus. Um, in, in our college um and you know as we've gone on we've just hoped for it to be a place for uh, people to be able to come hear people people that look like them talking about mental health mental wellness what do you hope for the black community in terms of their mental well-being moving forward as we've seen this pandemic has uh, done a number on our our mental health and I'm not sure we're over or quite over it yet, but um, so how however you see fit, how do you see us coming out of it or what would you like to see um, or where do you uh, see our mental well-being going? Yeah, I, uh, <clears throat> I mean, I, and I, I'm, I'm a little spotty with my memory, but I just, I, I remember um, the last year of my program, or maybe it was a year before that, I started to see more awareness coming out um, with Black individuals addressing like mental health, Charlemagne the God, um, and then some other folks, uh, both from my community and from other communities like out towards LA. And so um, I, well, and then with LeBron's barbershop talk, they had something uh, related to mental health. And so I see that the conversation um, has it's being started and so I just wanted to continue um, to flourish and I and I feel like we get there by filling these spaces and just uh, bringing more awareness um, I would hope that my hope is for more of more black individuals to take uh, take up spaces like this um, in order you know for us to get there I, I yeah yeah that's where I'm at. I, yeah, I start thinking about trainings. Like, there's a particular training I participated in out in Riverside County um, called Bridges to Poverty, and it was a um, it's a white lady teaching um, everybody else about the black community, and um, it was just very uninformative and you know I just not talking badly about her, but it didn't sit right in my stomach, and she was labeling folks. Uh, based on behaviors and labeling them as ghetto. And, you know, I had a problem with that and I voiced my problem and, um, you know, immediately thought like, yes, we need to take up spaces like this um, just because, you know, it, it, it was surprising to me. There were other black individuals in the, in the, in the area. They were older, they were older than me and there was probably like a few my age. And so um, just, it, but it, it was also surprising to hear that the folks that were around my age were had already 
like taking steps to uh, do contract work with the county um, to implement trainings. And so I feel like as long as we continue down paths like that, the information will get out there and we would want to explore, Black people would want to explore this environment more. Um, you know, I was even hesitant during my program, you know, on exploring therapy for myself until I, you know, realized and recognized this is something that I need to, um, I need to treat as well. You know, I'm just growing up being an athlete wanting to work out every day. I work my body out every day. You know, it's also essential that I work my mind out. You know, it's the, the unseen. Yeah, that, that makes a lot of sense. You know, you made me think about why I did, one of the reasons why I decided to do like trainings and things like that in the community. <clears throat> like you, I was employed at an, at an organization and I remember they brought somebody in to do a training. And I was like, okay, this is, this is good, but I also saw what was missing. And I was like, I, I, I could do that and I can bring something in that is not being talked about or discussed. And so when you say for us and people who look like us to, to also take up those spaces too, it is important. It is very important because there are folks who, all folks need to hear it but also because we come about it through a different lived experience and lens. And that's how we can bring that information forward that resonates with people in a different way. You know, representation definitely matters. I think representation is sometimes how people come in um, to the profession. I think lack of representation is sometimes how we lose people leaving the profession. Um, sometimes tired of being the only one Right. And so I think it, it and, uh, definitely plays out. Go ahead. Yeah. Uh, I'll, I'll just use your phrase, that part, you know, that's the, that's, that's the piece, like that representation. If I see somebody that looks like me, um, you know, I'm, I'm getting older, so I'm taking it in better, but I feel like they would have a better understanding of my experiences. And so I would be more receptive to, to just hearing. Um, yeah. Yeah. But yeah, I, I told you I was uh, upset that I missed your training with the county because uh, you did one, and I, I, didn't, I didn't realize it till after the fact. Yeah, so yeah, I did. I did a training, uh, Jared, back in June, a, a two-part training for um, LA County uh, Department of Mental Health, and it wasn't until me and Michael connected and had lunch, and um, he was like, "Did you do a training for the county?" And I was like, what, which county are we talking about? Um, and I was like, yeah. And he's like, oh my gosh, I saw your name, but I didn't sign up. I mean, I saw the title. I didn't know that you were doing the, the training. Um, but th that's an example right there. You know, knowing who's doing the training is, is what gets people to do it too, in addition to what type of training that is, is, is being offered. Yes. And I, and I had just said in one for uh, men engagement, and it was taught by a Latin guy, uh, two Latin individuals. Um, they were talking about their particular community. I thought that was awesome, you know? And the, the main thing the guy said was representation. And I say, yeah, that's, that's the piece right there. That's the piece with us all, that representation means a lot. Yeah. Absolutely. And it's always, what I don't think folks really understand or sometimes they do is that, 
particularly in the medical field, I think when seeing a, another black doctor that looks like them gives them a lot more comfortability and trust. Um, and I think it's just the same with everything else. Um, you know, I hurt my back and physical therapist at Kaiser was black and I don't see that many you know, black doctors there. And so I was like, oh, thank God. They're like, you know, literally pathetic to the pain. Yeah. It's like, <laughs> wow, I just saw an angel, right? <laughs> <laughs> I know it, it, it's an experience. So I can it's appreciate a- that. Oops, sorry. Everything that you're saying about representation and, and, and taking up those spaces um, so our voices are heard. Um, e- even though we all have slightly different voices uh, within our own community, just extremely important for us to be able to connect to at least one person in those groups or to understand that there's many of us. Absolutely. So what would you say um, are some additional things that you want to offer to our listeners as we're getting close to the end of our time together? Any any pearls of wisdom? Um, Affirmation of quotes that you live by? Yeah, yeah. Um, Well, Something that I, I continually uh, continuously think about um, oftentimes when like I get into my slumps um, uh, and by slumps, I mean, like when I start thinking about something, I get a, a bit stuck. I just remind myself that I'm human. Yeah. And, you know, it's OK to mess up. It's OK to uh, make mistakes because you can innovate. Um, and so I continue to remind myself. This is my little mantra. Um, and. Uh, I, I guess if I can offer anything else for uh, individuals, you know, um, it would be uh, to just keep an open mind, you know, something I, I, I didn't have from the beginning um, that I started playing out over time. You can sprain your ankle um, in the same capacity. You can sprain something in your psyche and, you know, not, not feel it or see it as, uh, as obviously as you would your actual ankle. So, yeah, <clears throat> if that makes, <laughs> makes it does. sense. I, I love the analogy. Uh, um, I, I like what you said, make mistakes because you can innovate. Like that's a t-shirt, that, that's a tattoo. That's a bumper <laughs> sticker. People still do bumper stickers. Um, <laughs> that's a hashtag. <laughs> uh, that's important. I think people are afraid of making mistakes, but there's innovation in mistake making. Right, you come out of it uh, with a new level of understanding and awareness because of the way in which you initially went. So I, I like that. Uh, anything you uh, would- Title of this episode. That'll be the title of this episode. Make mistakes because you can innovate. I love that. Um, anything that you want to plug or announce to our listeners, any platforms, social media platforms, anything like that, that you want to plug? Yes, um, I'll plug in my TikTok. It is- underscore Michael Curry with three R's. Um, and so I put content on there occasionally related to mental health uh, in a more informal aspect. So uh, please check out my videos, Instagram, Curry, Curry, McFlurry. More videos will be coming up on that when I know it's a, that, that was a name that I used to be called during track. So I just kept it, just I'd run with it. Um, and then something else, I mean, I'm, 
also affiliated with an organization called Stronger Together Now out here in um, San Bernardino County. And they their aim is to help out um, uh, underserved populations and provide resources. So uh, I do some work with them there as well. Awesome. I'll get those websites up for everybody and the links to your, your handles awesome. on our website. Thank you. Thank you, Michael. Yeah. Thank you for uh, coming on. We really appreciate it. Thank you for sharing your story. Thank you for vulnerability, openness, um, just you know, willing to, to, to share. I think it's important for our, our listeners to hear other Black men being vulnerable. And thank you all for listening. We will see you next time. Take care, everyone. Thank you for listening to the Kill Spot Radio. Remember to subscribe to our podcast on our webpage at killspotradio.com.